0: Research suggests there's a small, simple act that, done regularly, can combat burnout. We'll tell you what that is and how to get started with it. Plus, how do you handle conversations about remote work with employees who can't remote work? We'll tackle that now on Boss Better Now.
1: You're listening to Boss Better Now. The show is sponsored by Joe Mall Associates. Now, here's your host, speaker, and author, Joe Mall.
0: Hello again, Boss Heroes. Thank you back for. Jo- thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, you even did a little applause thing there at the beginning. That was I'm fun. Good. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us this week, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Audible or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio or Amazon Music or your connected speaker thingy that sits in your kitchen whose name we won't say. Wherever you found us, we are glad you're here. And joining us on our mission to fill workplaces with better bosses, please welcome back to the show my co-host, executive coach, HR advisor, and Zumba fanatic, Suzanne (laughs) Malowski. Hey, Suzanne.
1: Well, hey, Joe. Thanks for having me back. Hi, everybody. Yeah, Zumba fanatic. Uh, that's interesting. So that's a truth in case we're playing, you know, two truths and a lie. Right. Okay. I so do. we didn't
0: make that one up. That's legit. No,
1: we did not. That one is legit. And that is my where I get my energy and my motivation because I think I can dance. No one's told me otherwise. In
0: case you're not familiar
1: with Zumba, it's Latin dancing. As a workout, and unfortunately, I had a little rough spot.
0: Uh oh. Um,
1: my knee was really sore, and I went to the ortho doctor this morning. And in his, his infinite wisdom, and based on the X-ray results, I have to pause my Zumba. Uh-oh. Love for a little while, so I have to find something else. So, if we think about how this relates to being kind to ourselves. Yeah. That we're going to talk about later on, and to be kind to myself and not tear up my knee, but I also yes. need to replace it with something else that's that, I, that that brings me joy and motivation to help. But it sounds know, like tank. it's
0: only temporary, though.
1: I hope. Yes, I think. Well, we depends on if the the shot he put into my knee this morning calms everything down and mm. helps me in the next few weeks. So we'll see. Let's
0: hope. Maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe you can be the founder of Seated Zumba. <laughs> can that be a thing? Yes.
1: I think I think chair aerobics was a big thing back in the day. Ah. So, absolutely. I, I'm really close with my instructor. In fact, my Zumba instructor is actually on my team here at We Inspire. Ah. So maybe I'll talk to her and say, "Okay, how can we take this and make it still work?" Uh, that's a great
0: okay. idea. Thank yes. you. Yes, yes. You could just hop the entire workout mm-hmm. on what foot, but I don't think that's going to be good for that other knee. No.
1: Game. I mean, I, I'm good at making uh, adjustments. And she calls it, when you get it wrong, There, you don't get anything wrong in Zumba. It's merely an accidental solo. Ah. <laughs> You're welcome. That so,
0: is fun. Yes. Um, we'll figure it out. Well, it reminds me very quickly. I, uh, a year or two ago decided kind of on a whim to sign up for the Pittsburgh half marathon. I had run some 5Ks and some 7Ks, and I thought, you know, a half marathon is just like three 5Ks with some breaks in between, and maybe I can make that work. And so I I signed up to do this, and the next day, I had an appointment at my orthopedist because I have had six knee surgeries. I have some ongoing knee problems. Have
1: you? No. And,
0: and so I went into the orthopedics office and he was checking me out. And we were talking about some arthritis and things like that. And I said to him, all right, well, if, if I don't want this to get worse more quickly, is there anything I shouldn't do? And first words out of his mouth goes, well, I wouldn't sign up for any marathons. And I, I just busted out laughing because I had just done it the night before, and um, we had an interesting conversation. He told me, listen, if, this, if the half marathon is a bucket list thing for you and you want to do it, like, fine, do it. But don't run downhill, and then don't do any more long-distance running after that. Keep it short. So we've all well, got to make adjustments.
1: Nice yes. All yes. right. And his, yeah, his was, don't, he didn't say, don't do Zoom, but he said, you might not want to if you want this puppy to heal. I'm like, okay. Yes. All right.
0: Yes. You got to take it, take it easy for a little while. All right. Well, we're going to start out today. today. Yes, you're standing today. I love it. I Um, am standing today. We're going to start out with... Some daily acts that battle burnout. So um, our intrepid producer, Jamie, for our Boss Better Now podcast, uh, one of her tasks is to periodically send me articles and things that I may not otherwise spot out there in the world that could serve as interesting fodder for our show here. And she sent me this article about a piece of research that came out about how being kind at work can combat burnout. So this article was uh, actually posted originally in lifehacker.com, uh, and we'll link to it in the transcript of our uh, show here on the Boss Better Now podcast website. Uh, but this research, which emerged from a researcher at the University of Virginia from You Say Hang, uh, was really driven around this idea that being kind to other people at work can help with burnout because it helps you feel more connected. So the idea here is that there are three major components to burnout, that burnout is driven predominantly by exhaustion, inefficacy, and cynicism. So basically, when we get tired, when we feel like we can no longer be effective, or when we get cynical, when we think, why bother? That's when burnout really starts to take hold, when we overwork and and when we generally feel uh, those other aspects of inefficiency and cynicism. And what her research shows is that small acts of kindness to others in the workplace can actually help people feel less cynical, and it might help people feel more effective at their jobs. And she goes on to describe small acts of kindness as things like taking a few minutes to check in with a coworker to see how they're doing, or when you go get a cup of coffee for yourself, getting one for somebody else at the same time, or even something as simple as offering someone a sincere compliment, and that these small moments can actually combat that cynicism that that piles up and that tends to help us experience burnout. Uh, And so I thought this was interesting because, you know, we've been getting a lot of advice over the past two and a half years about burnout, which was obviously quite prevalent in our work lives before the pandemic, but was certainly exacerbated for many of us uh, as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. And many folks are still battling uh, extraordinary levels of burnout. Uh, And I think we've all seen a lot of of bad advice about burnout. That's something we've talked about here on the show before. Uh, But this piece, this idea Idea of just sprinkling in some small acts of kindness as an evidence-based way to combat burnout. I thought this was really intriguing. What did you think when you saw all of this, Suzanne?
1: Well, I, I have to say uh, I'm a headline reader, right? Mm-hmm. And try to get to the, the gist of it very quickly. And sh- this author had me at hello. Okay. Because many times when we think about burnout, we're all the way at the end of the journey or the cycle, meaning they've quit, they've had to be fired, or they've done some egregious act that's put them on a pip, right? Or there's some trouble. And I think when she talked about lack of enthusiasm, the cynicism, or general fatigue, I'm like, wow, wait a minute, that's something we can lean on to help recognize burnout in its earliest stages. So as a boss, if I'm seeing changes in those things, if I'm seeing you know, someone less enthusiastic than they used to be, or I'm hearing cracking these little jokes that might not be so helpful or, or they're just not showing up like they used to, um, recognizing that it, that can show up in different ways for different people. And so how can you get ahead of it and be proactive is what dawned on me. And then of course the, the advice, most of it is free. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was probably Fred Rogers who told us that, you know, never miss an opportunity to make someone's day a little bit better. Yeah. And you have no idea if you're the person that then they go home and talk about in a positive way at the dinner table. Yep. Right. Yep. And yep. I love that. I also would add um, a little bit about advocacy, especially as a peer or as a boss sometimes in meetings when people are feeling less than mm-hmm. they have trouble articulating or they don't engage so either drawing them out in a safe way in a meeting or say or reinforcing what they said so joe i think that's a great idea and allowing that idea mm-hmm. to sit with a table and being an advocate for it um i think that's another act of respectful kindness right and um it's very constructive in a way i We need to do more of that for each other.
0: And and I mean, I actually know about this very interesting new book that's coming out next year that has an entire mm-hmm. chapter in it about advocacy and the role that advocacy plays in creating the kind of workplace that people want to join and stay in. Hmm. Maybe we'll be hearing mm. more about that. Brilliant notion. on the line. But, and here's Nine. what I love about, about what you said too, Suzanne, is that's a fun little challenge that a boss can can put forth to themselves. Is okay, I'm going into this huddle or I'm going into this team meeting and I am going to do this sort of... Stealthy, subversive little act of kindness to each, to every single person at the table. I'm going to find a way to just give them a, a, a little, a little goose of that in a minute. You know, when when we're doing our work together over the course of that hour or yes. two hours or, or whatever. And, and here's the other really cool thing about this that stuck with me about this research: if you embrace this idea that small mm-hmm. acts of kindness can help you battle your own burnout, it's a double treatment. You're, you're curing, not maybe not curing, but you're addressing your own burnout and the acts of kindness themselves are experienced by others as a way that combats their burnout. Because when people feel appreciated, when people experience belonging, it does combat some of that cynicism, some of that exhaustion. We know that to be true.
1: We do. And I, I want to go back to that self-help, like that self-care. If I tell you I appreciate your contribution or your idea was fantastic, or Joe, I just want you to know your energy is something we rely on um, positively. Mm-hmm. It brings a lot to the team. Thank you. I feel better walking away, right? My yeah. endorphins go up. All the, the happy feels are kind of sparked for me. So even if it, it's the gift that gives back, it will.
0: Yep. And, and the act of kindness doesn't always have to be words, right? I nope. love the example in the article about, you know, just offering to grab somebody a cup of coffee when you're going yeah. to get one or, yeah. you know, bringing some new treats into the office or, or you know, my uh, Jamie here a couple of weeks ago saw this really neat little coffee sign that she thought would be neat to hang above the coffee maker here in our office and hang <laughs> it above our curate, yeah. And she just brought it in hung it, you know, and that was just a really yeah. nice little oh, gesture, page. you know, stuff like yeah, that, that, matters.
1: It does. And speaking of copiers is even grabbing their work off the copier and delivering it to them to say, you know, hey, saltless had your name on it. Here you go. Those little, you know, pay it forward moments or just being aware, picking something off the floor that they draw anything like
0: that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, I think if if there's a takeaway from this Mm-hmm. It's as a leader, maybe I embrace trying to do this with more frequency, knowing that it's something that works both for myself and for my team. I think that the, the the headline takeaway, though here is that it benefits myself to do it. If I'm looking for a way to be at my best for my team, then I- I'm gonna have to be aware of any burnout that I'm experiencing. If I'm experiencing mm. that that cynicism, if I'm experiencing exhaustion, but I need to keep showing up for my team in a way that that is worthy of them, then I do need to think about a treatment plan for my own yeah. burnout. And this is one potential kind of intervention. And I think that's the other piece of this that I would caution leaders to keep in mind. I think it could be really tempting to maybe share this article or this podcast with your team and say, okay, we're gonna create a program where we all do acts of kindness for each other, or you pull your huddle together and you give people the advice that, hey, if you're feeling burned out, I want you to go out and do this for other people. I, I don't actually think that's a good idea. I think if you want to encourage other people to embrace this strategy, the simplest way to do it is to, to talk about what you're doing. You know, maybe you just say, say, you know, I read this article a while ago about how random acts of kindness combat burnout. So I started doing it and man, I feel better. You know, it does help a little right. bit. And, and you know, by sort of role modeling it or embracing it for yourself, it's it's a a, a much less direct way of encouraging other people to do it.
1: Yeah, and, and it's more likely to be sincere instead of instead of a, a task or something that's expected to do.
0: Yeah, our um, new program.
1: Yeah, everybody, you better get five, and we're going to track it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and if I you get ten, to, you get a set
0: of steak knives.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's uh, yeah. There's there's an incentive for it. I think it falls in line with one of those behaviors that you need to model it. Mm-hmm. So good leaders model the behavior they expect to see in others. Not a do is you know the, do as I say, not as I do, this is yeah. a do as I do moment. And they will, your culture will grow and it will be seen as something that's okay. Because there may be somebody else in your team who needed that permission, or they love to see that it was the gate open um, to have those types of conversations, so.
0: Yeah. Well, folks, we would love to hear what you think. Have you noticed a difference in your own feelings of exhaustion or cynicism or effectiveness uh, that have changed as a result of trying to do more acts of kindness? Uh, Have you noticed differences on teams? Is this something that you are going to to try and and act on in the weeks and months ahead. If in any of those tends to be true, we would love to hear about your experiences. You can email the show at bossbetternow at gmail.com and tell us about it. And we might circle back and shout you out here on the show. All right, folks, that brings us to the camaraderie question of the week. Bosses build camaraderie on teams by making it easier for people to find things in common with each other. That's why every week we give you a question you can use at meetings to facilitate connection and build camaraderie. And you don't just have to use them at meetings. You can use them in huddles. You can use them one-on-one. Maybe you even throw them on your Slack channel and see how people answer. This week's question, Suzanne, tell us about a time when you experienced a good surprise. I love that qualifier in there, good surprise, because not everybody likes surprises, right? And so we can all define that a little differently. So tell us about a time when you experienced (laughs) a good surprise.
1: So words matter here, right? So a good surprise. And when you propose these questions or pose these questions, I try to be like someone in the huddle or someone in the audience, think, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And then 10 other things come to mind. But the very first thing that came to mind was from a parent perspective. And that is a good surprise when your neighbors give you positive feedback on your children.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Isn't that what we want? We want them to know and, you know, when they go into someone's house that they're respectful, that they say please and thank you, that they're polite. And we get that feedback even though we may not be experiencing it at home. Mm -hmm. So that that's Good surprise, and on the work setting. Oh my gosh, Joe, this went clear back to twenty five years ago, my first real corporate job uh-huh. that I was nervous to apply for. Nerve This is when I started my thirteen year long, fifty five mile commute to Pittsburgh. If I haven't told you that already, I keep bringing wow. that up. Um, and I was nervous about it. Am I, you know, am I the right fit? Blah blah blah. blah. So I hadn't started the job yet, but I you know, get my mail, I enter my home and there's a big box waiting for me. And inside the box, chocolate chip cookies. Oh. That said, welcome to the team. We're so excited to have you. So it was an opportunity between that space of accepting the job and making that decision and where you actually start. And studies shows that we need to keep that connection. It's a great time to build relationships. And I'm here to tell you that cookies matter. <laughs>
0: Well, first of all, look at you dropping some boss advice in the camaraderie <laughs> question of the week, connecting it to engagement, giving that, that suggestion to our listeners. You can stay, my friend. Oh, thanks, Joe. <laughs> and you're right. Cookies do matter. And I love that <laughs> at the earliest stage of your career when you were experiencing all of those emotions that, that somebody was thoughtful enough to, to do that for you. It just goes to show when we think that those things don't matter that, that they actually really can.
1: I know. I, I couldn't believe I still remember that. And that honestly popped straight into my head was this metal tin hmm. of cookies. And I'm not sure I shared them with anybody because they, they wanted them for me <laughs> um, to help me prepare for my journey. And so mm-hmm. it was great.
0: If that was me and I was nervous at work and I got a box of chocolate chip cookies, I was absolutely eating my feelings at that point. Yeah, I may have. Okay. May, maybe, maybe. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> Good answer. All right.
1: Hey, what have you got?
0: You know, when I I tend to try to to go with my first blush reaction when I see these questions, Uh, and I I think I'm very hard to surprise. My wife will tell you that I'm very hard to surprise. I just, (laughs) even without trying, my brain just works things out sometimes. And so, um, I I think I like to be surprised, but I also tend to like to know everything ahead of time. I don't know. So I think I'm hard to surprise, and 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 I don't always.
1: I bet you are. You're very anticipatory generally. A little bit,
0: yeah, but. My wife pulled out an amazing surprise for uh, pulled off an amazing surprise for us a, a couple of years ago. I um, was turning 40, so I'm about to turn 46. so this was six years ago. And um, this was right about the time that the musical Hamilton was exploding. And we had fallen in love with it. And we'd been listening to nothing but Hamilton for a while. The show had been out in the world for maybe two years at that point. And um, my wife planned a surprise birthday party for me that was Hamilton themed. Um, <gasps> and, and, and she went all out. She invited a lot of friends we hadn't seen for a while. And the cake was Hamilton and the decorations were Hamilton. And there were like the revolutionary Wore hats, you know, and um, she gave, she stood up at the party and gave a little Hamilton themed speech that had like all sorts of callbacks to the show Aww. and said lovely things about Aww. me. And then at the end of the party, um, Everybody gave me a gift and it was an envelope and everybody, she had gotten like 25 people to pitch in to buy a pair of tickets to see Hamilton in Chicago shortly after it had Chica- set up residency there. So Wonderful. we got a weekend in Chicago a couple of months later to see Hamilton after my Hamilton-themed surprise party. That's probably my favorite surprise that I've experienced.
1: That is Awesome. And now I, I I first I'll say I feel bad because my daughter did throw a 50th surprise party for me. And so what I can relate to, I, I kind of saw it coming, but what yeah. I can relate to is um, the heartfelt, I mean, the, the tears, right? The emotion mm-hmm. that it brought out of everyone who took their time yes. to drive you know, here. And then my daughter opened her home which is a new home for her and the eclectic bunch of characters right. that she found right yep that showed up was huge so you know there's the big and the small in our examples but it's the sentiment or
0: that really hits right and I, I think, think that's the thing about a surprise is sometimes if we're yeah. caught off guard by something, just taking that moment to think, what was the intent here? And most yeah. of the time, if it was good, I think we can quickly get to what you just described, which is, yeah. wow, somebody went to the trouble to try to do something special for me. And even if it didn't land the way that maybe I would have wanted, it's that intent that we should focus Effort. on. Absolutely. Well, think
1: about our love languages. So I, I can mm. say too that, I've been surprised by acts of service, mm. right? When someone takes the time to just do something kind or that I know they were on my, I was on their mind and they took action toward it. Yeah. That's huge.
0: Yep. That's very, yep.
1: I feel loved when that happens. Is my All husband right, listening? Folks. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are going to be sharing this episode specifically with him. Good idea. Yeah. And that's the camaraderie question of the week. All right, friends, as we announced on the show last week, our next Boss Better Virtual Summit is taking place on Tuesday, December 6th. It features five captivating mini sessions with a rockstar lineup of guest speakers, all designed to fill up your cup, rejuvenate your leadership, and help you boss better. We've got a session about going from stress to resilient. We've got a session packed with scripts and tips to help you get better at coaching employees who are burned out or overwhelmed. And I'm closing the event with a virtual keynote on rehumanizing the workplace to find and keep devoted employees. Now, we do this event twice a year, and it's one of our most popular things that we do. And here's the really cool news. We just opened up the VIP subscriber presale. For a few days, you can get tickets for half price. That's right, 50% off for a short time. Just go to bossbettervirtualsummit.com and use the code PODCAST at checkout. That's going to grab you a seat for half price. That's that's going to give you a seat for $199 for this full day engaging virtual conference designed and delivered just for you, the boss heroes of the world. So one more time, that's BossBetterVirtualSummit.com and use the code Podcast at checkout. It's going to be so good. All right, we are closing today, Suzanne, with one of my favorite segments. It's mail time. Okay. Technically this wasn't mail. It wasn't email. It wasn't snail mail. It wasn't, you know, a, a piece of paper strapped to the leg of a carrier pigeon. No, this question get in actually, here. what's that? how to get in here? It got in here from a listener on YouTube. So our episodes all stream on our Boss Better YouTube channel and Tosca, asked this question in the comments section of one of our videos. So see, we're watching, we are listening, we are seeing what you post. Here is Tosca's question. When offering life-work balance options, like working remote, how do you handle the conversation with employees that you can't offer remote to? I'm talking about the employees that are customer-facing, the employees that you need there in person Monday through Friday all the time. Tosca, thank you for the question. It's an important one. And I have a few ideas for you. Suzanne, where do you want to start?
1: I bet you have a few ideas. Yeah, I do too. You know, I think um, many times we're feeling the limitations of policy. We are here to be stewards of the business needs. Mm-hmm. As bosses, but also trying to be advocates or supporters of the the burnout, per se, of our mm-hmm. employees or the experience they're having when they come or they contribute to work. So um, one of the first things that came to mind um, is be careful that you don't carry around a false or an ill-informed mm-hmm. assumption that no one wants to come back to work. Mm. I have worked with many people, and I can I think of a woman who worked in an insurance agency in the city, and she loved to come to work because she loved, but to buy the clothes and the shoes, mm-hmm. and she was playing this role, right? So, yeah. be, you know, be careful that you haven't over assumed that this group of people um, are miserable about it. Now, again, this is one of those things we don't have all the context. Maybe um, Tosca can say, "Nope, yeah, I'm pretty sure." By and large, they're not thrilled about it. Okay. Um, But make sure you're taking that in consideration too. There's some people that love to come to work or they've been working at home and now are like, yeah, okay, that was nice. Um, But uh, my kids are tired of me shushing them or I can't, um, I can't seem to get away. I can't seem to turn off. So they might be finding a benefit or they miss people. They miss that connection. They're just not feeling it over Zoom and um, Teams anymore. So be careful. You know, there might be some or thoughtful, I should say, and intentional about it. Um, you know, and then I think about the guidelines for which you have to work in. So the conversations you might have would be about exploring the flexibility or the creativity that you might be able to bring into play. Um, I'm thinking about an IT group that worked, um, at a plant level. Right. So these were the guys and the gals that helped fix the computer on the machine, mm. or they were there when you're jiggling the cable and your laptop didn't work. They were Can't your first that, line. Right. Um, and we all love calling and trying to get help with that. That's fun. Um, <laughs> and we didn't want to become that hands off. We, you know, their support role is to keep the business running, but they took a look at their numbers from transactions, when are they most likely helping people, what time of the day, they looked at what goals they still needed to reach from a satisfaction level, and they build a plan. Mm -hmm. So they did overlapping schedules, or they did it so we had two people at home this part of the week. So they added that flexibility in without damaging the service quality, right? So that might be an opportunity, but your numbers start to get complaints, we're coming back to you right? Mm -hmm. Because we can't let that slide. And that may be the case with some of your customer facing roles as well, but I totally get it. If it's retail, they're coming to the counter. (laughs) You got to have someone like restaurants. Oh my gosh, look how many have had to close because Mm -hmm. they couldn't get staff. So, um, yep. So the next conversation would really be around, um, the business need and how important they are and those types of conversations, which I'm sure you can speak to as well, Joe.
0: Yeah, you used the word that I think is maybe the most important takeaway word for Tosca here in this conversation, which is flexibility. And one of the things that's happening right now in this conversation about remote work is people are conflating what people are asking for when they ask for remote work flexibility is now the number one most requested workplace benefit in the world, according to SHRM, according to the Society for Human Resources Management. This is what people want more of. And what's happening is people immediately go, okay, well, people want to work remote, and we can't do that. Well, remote is one kind of flexibility. When we have to have a conversation with folks who have to be on site, I think that conversation really becomes about two things. The first is flexibility. Okay, we can't necessarily give you remote work, but Mm -hmm. maybe we can give you some more autonomy or influence over your schedule, when you start, when you end, how many hours, how long the shift is, where you work, who you work with, what kind of work you do on certain days of the week. What people really want, even more than remote work, is some choice some control, mm-hmm. some ability to, to, to flex and adapt their schedule or their work circumstances to better fit their life. That's a huge part of what's happening in the job market right now, as people are, are reaching for more of that flexibility, more of that influence. And so I think that's a big piece here. My advice to you, Tosca, is for these folks who have to be on site, if you hear them saying they wish they could work remote or expressing resentment that some people do, but they don't, my question to them would be, So what appeals to you about that? And -hmm. I would really listen. I would really dial in to what their answers are. You may have somebody who says, oh, well, you know, my commute is just brutal. I spend so much time in traffic. It's just, you know, it it changes my mood for the whole day. I end up getting home crabby. And then maybe you can offer, well, if we tweaked your start and end times to help you avoid some of that traffic, would that – alleviate that for you a little bit. You know, maybe that person says, well, I, I, you talked about clothes. I I hate having to get all dressed up. It'd be nice to work in jeans or sweats every once in a while. Maybe you can accommodate an, ad- an adaptation to your dress code. Uh, maybe that person says, honestly, gas prices are killing me and I'd love to work from home to save on some of the expense or, you know, I spend a lot on meals. It's cheaper for me to eat from home. And at that point, maybe the company can gift some gas cards or create a meal allowance or bring Bring food into the office for some folks like this. This is where innovation really matters. And that's the other side of this, Suzanne, is when I see this email that says, uh, what about employees that we can't offer remote work to? One of my first questions is always, are you sure? You know, Maybe just like you said, those two uh, IT folks who were overlapping, some people were in the office some days and others weren't. We have entire industries that have created customer-facing positions to now be able to work from home because they're doing call center work or they're doing video kind of telecommunications interaction. And so, you know, you could do a little thought experiment here, I think, where if you looked at certain positions and said, if we had to allow these people to work from home one day a week, how how could we make that possible? What innovations would we create? What changes to job duties or descriptions would we have to engineer? because that's what people are looking for. And so those are my two big takeaways, which is don't stop innovating, but also don't conflate remote with flexibility. Flexibility is really what people want.
1: I love it, that's spot on. And you know, it, there's, this isn't the time, I want to say the time to strike is now, but really right, if you though. think about, there's so many paradigm shifts coming out of COVID and the pandemic. Every, you know, everyone's had to be creative from supply, supply chain issues to customer demands changing to remote work. So it is really time to keep having that conversation and check your paradigm. If you're holding a belief that, that could be argued <laughs> differently, then be willing to open that up. And then you're prepared to influence others and, and really come to different solutions for people.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like that if we were going to record an album... The title would be yeah. Check Your Paradigm. I like it. If we're going to go out, if we're taking this show on the road, okay, you get Check Your Paradigm at your local record store, which don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tosca, we thank you so much for the question. I hope that's helpful advice. If nothing else, hopefully it sparks a couple different kinds of conversations that you can have uh, with the folks in your charge. That was Mail Time. All right, friends, that's our show this week. Thank you, Boss Heroes, for joining us. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment to leave a review. Tell others here on the Apple podcast site or uh, wherever you're listening uh, that our show doesn't suck, that it's maybe, you know, (laughs) worth a few minutes of time. uh, By leaving us a review, that is always appreciated. In the meantime, thanks for everything that you do, and thanks for taking care of so many others out there in the workplace.
1: This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Remember, commitment comes from better bosses. Visit joemall.com today.